To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, good afternoon and evening, everybody. Um, today, we're going to talk about the art of volunteering. And this can be helpful for people who are volunteering, and it can also be helpful for those of you who work with volunteers. Primarily, we're going to talk about people who work with volunteers because most of us do um, from time to time, or maybe a lot, find ourselves in a position where we're utilizing volunteers. And it could be to help with our organization, um, ACD, or it could be to help with our personal um, needs you know, home home care and shopping and different things. So we're all in a position that we use volunteers and work with them. Um, maybe we have one person who volunteers, and maybe we have many people who volunteer. And it can also help you enhance your skills as a volunteer. You can kind of apply the concepts that we're going to talk about um, if you are a volunteer, to help you maybe work better with your team of volunteers or with the person who, um, you know, has you volunteering for them. Because, you know, volunteering is a very important job, but it also takes two. And so that is the purpose of this call. And very often um, I get questions of, you know, asking how to manage this or that problem with that, that arise with volunteers. So it's first of all important to understand that people who volunteer, they do so, and there's an emotional link. They don't just volunteer because, um, you know, they feel like they have to. I mean, they're not getting paid, so they don't have to volunteer. Now, sometimes... People are doing it for other motives, um, like high school students may volunteer to get credits for a class, or people may have to do some community work to make up for something, some offense that they did. So it's important to understand the motivation of the volunteer. Why is the person volunteering for you? What are they getting out of it? And it's also important to understand that they put a lot of time and energy and emotion. People who volunteer usually usually care about the people that they're volunteering for. They care about the cause. And they care pretty deeply. Or, quite frankly, they probably wouldn't do it. Um, you know, volunteers have other things that, to do. They have other jobs. They have maybe you know, school attendants or college attendants, they maybe have families. So they have a lot of other things in their life that they do and that they could do, but they're taking time out of that to volunteer for you. Or maybe you're taking time out of what you typically do to volunteer for other organizations or other people. So there's a big emotional part of being a volunteer. And this is one reason that it's really important to support your volunteers. And when you support them, and uh, they will continue to want to volunteer. If you don't support them, they're not going to want to volunteer. Um, if things get very stressful or painful, they're not going to want to continue to volunteer for you. So it's also important to know their skills. You know, it's, it's real easy to say, oh, I want to I wanna do this, or I want to volunteer for that. I want to. But do they actually have the skills to do what they want to volunteer for? And one thing that you can do to help with that if you're a leader or if you're just a person who um, has volunteers to help you, kind of write down a description of what that position would entail. Um, you know, the the 
description, I mean, uh, the secretarial position entails taking notes, communicating with other people, uh, corresponding. So they have to have the skills to do that. Your volunteer who is going to take you shopping has to have the skills to read. It wouldn't work if, if they really couldn't read. Um, or they may have to have the skills to drive. They may have to have the skills to be able to help you find things and, and to help you get those things into your home. So take some time, and it does take time, but write down the, the duties, the skills of every position that you want people to volunteer for. That way, when I, as a volunteer, or, or somebody else, you know, when we come to you and we say, I want to volunteer for your organization, you can say, well, here are some of the things that we do. Maybe you can look over and see what your skills would most closely match. Because very often I hear concerns and questions from people, and, and they have volunteers who can't really do the job. And so these people are very upset. Maybe the volunteers are upset. There's a lot of complaining, a lot of discussion. And usually it's not very positive or very thoughtful because other people get tired of doing their job. Well, if you didn't have them in that position to begin with, you wouldn't have that problem. So make sure that they have the skills to do the job that they're volunteering to do. And if they still want to volunteer, maybe they don't have certain skills, either help them develop those skills or find another thing for them to do. You know, don't say, oh, no, you can't volunteer for me or you can't volunteer here because you don't have the skills. That's a good way to lose people. But if you can, help them develop the skills or find another thing for them to do. Um, so that's, that's really important. The next thing is respect their boundaries. And that calls for some flexibility. If they say, you know, I would be happy to help you go shopping, but I don't allow other people in my vehicle. And that's a big one. And it has to do with insurance liability. It has to do with their comfort level. Um, it has to do with, you know, a lot of things. Um, no, you can debate it, you can argue it, you can be mad about it all you want, but that is their boundary. So if that's not going to work for you, then you just have to let them know, well, you know, I can call you occasionally to fix this stuff or whatever, but I really like to go shopping. The same as with you want transportation to a club or to a church or, you know, whatever it is. They may say to you, I'm more than happy to take you to the club or the, the church or the whatever, but I don't allow dogs in my vehicle. Well, again, you can be frustrated about that. You can, you know, think that it's not right, it's not fair, but it is their time, their vehicle. So you have to respect their boundaries. And the, the same token, um, be flexible about the time. You know, they may not be in every morning. They may have soccer practice with their kids or, or baseball practice or whatever. But they might offer, well, I can take you shopping, you know, Sunday afternoon or Monday evening. or So be flexible. And you're the one who needs whatever is done, so be flexible. Now, there are times with there are deadlines, and so you can say to them, you know, this has to be done this week. So when this week, maybe can we do this? You know, but, but again, try to be as flexible as you can because it is their time. Um, another thing that you can do is be sure that your communication is open. If you start feeling uncomfortable or you start having a little bit of a problem, you know, don't just sweep it under the rug because if you sweep it under the rug, it'll probably get bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes in some way. So be sure that your communication is open with them. Um, 
and whatever it is, you know, you can just say, you know, I notice um, when we go out that you speak to other people about me, and it would really be helpful if you would just allow me to speak to that person. Um, sometimes they're trying to be helpful, and they're being a little bit interested or, or too helpful, and so you know, just to bring that gently to their attention. Because they may, may never have thought about that. And they may be used to speaking for their kids or speaking for their elderly parents. Um, and so they may not realize that, you know, they don't have to talk to the doctors. It's also important to understand that many times, sighted people will address their questions or comments to other sighted people. And they may not know how to respond to that. So, you know, they, they may go ahead and answer for you or try to help you. And all you have to do is just say, you know, when that happens, just, you know, look away from them and I will answer the question. Um, so you may have to, you know, have some open communication. But, you know, be gentle with it and, and offer suggestions that are helpful, not criticism, critical. Um, another thing is keep them engaged. Keep them engaged in your activities, um, what's going on in your organization, and especially if they do volunteer work for an organization. Um, there is nothing more frustrating than being a volunteer and you start on a project and you don't hear back from the leader or the committee chairperson, you know, for weeks after weeks after weeks after weeks. And at that point, you really don't know whether they're still working on the project or they decided that they no longer need your volunteer services. Um, maybe they moved on without you. You know, all kinds of things can start to creep into a person's mind. So be up to date with them. Check in. Um, let them know what's going on. Well, we haven't moved forward on this because we're still waiting for information from such and such. You know, just just be up to date and let them know what's going on. Um, and let every volunteer, not your favorite ones, but every volunteer know at the same time what's going on. You can send that little update email blast or you know, update phone calls or update messages, whatever it is that you do, but let people know what's going on. Um, keep in touch with them. Uh, you know, make sure that you're asking for their opinions and, and listening to their ideas. And sometimes leaders don't like to do that because we don't want to hear what other people say. And we have an idea of how the project should run or how things should be, and we don't want to get somebody else's input or opinion. But if you ask for and listen to people's ideas and opinions, they're going to start feeling like they are really important, and they're going to want to do more things for and with you versus if you just, you know, play like you're a dictator and you have to tell everybody how to do things and they have to listen to you. Uh, what you're going to find is that people decide that they no longer want to be dictated to. And they're going to drop out. So, you know, be sure that you're engaging with them, um, keep in contact with them, um, and, and just really involving them in the whole process. The more engaged you are, the stronger their emotional connection is going to be to you or to your organization. And the stronger their emotional connection is, the more they're going to want to do for you or the more and the better a job they're going to want to do. If they really feel like what they do is important, then they're going to want to do more. Um, be sure that you're letting them know how important they are. Um, you can't show volunteers too much appreciation and give them too much thanks. It's just not possible. Remember, they're using their time and their energy and the choosing to do that. So it's really important to let them know how special they are in your life and what an important role they're fulfilling. 
even if you're getting your volunteers from other agencies, um, you know, still, they're volunteers at that agency, but don't just leave it up to the manager at that agency to tell them how important they are. Tell them how important they are as well, because you don't know what their manager is doing or what they're not doing, but the bottom line is your volunteer is volunteering for you. Um, don't waste their time. You know, make sure that they do feel like they're doing something useful that, you know, you're not just sitting around and, and they're not really allowed to or able to do anything because that's a waste of their time and they could spend it elsewhere. Um, make sure that you understand what their expectations are, you know, as far as um, volunteering. What do they want to get out of it? What do they expect? That type of thing. And again, all of that, if you communicate well um, and are respectful, you're going to know what their expectations are. It's important to set some goals, if you can, and um, make sure that they have the tools and guidance. You know, don't, don't tell them, well, you have to do this and this and this, but it's up to you to figure out how you're going to do it. Now, it's up to you to provide some level of support. Now, that doesn't mean you have to provide everybody a cell phone or a computer, but make sure that they do have a computer or a cell phone, smartphone, or whatever, so that they can actually do the job. Um, if you want to keep your volunteers, don't make them feel like they're wasting their time because nobody likes to waste their time or, or feel like, you know, what they do doesn't really count for much. Uh, don't use volunteers for work that needs to stay consistent if you can avoid it. Now, organizations who use a lot of volunteers, they have more difficulty with that. But, you know, those are things that you might want to take people for or these um, paid staff to do if it really has to be consistent or if it's an extremely high confidential nature. And you might want to use paid staff for that type of work because volunteers cannot be held to confidentiality and they may not be confidential. And you really don't know who they know. Um, you don't have as much control over that. Um, yes, you can ask them to be confidential and, and be mindful of that. But at the end of the day, you can't hold them to that because and you know, I can volunteer for you, go out, tell people everything I know about you, and never you would never hear from me again. So, and there's nothing you can really do if that happens. So, you know, be mindful of that. Um, train your volunteers. Don't just expect them to know, for example, how to walk side and guide with you. They will probably grab a hold of your hand or at the back of your arm or whatever, put their arm around you or some, some craziness like that because they don't know and they're trying to protect you. So train them. You know, when you walk with me, this is what I teach you to do. And, and show them. You know, don't assume that because they have worked with another blind person that they already know what to do. Because as we know, each of us need and, and walk and feel more comfortable <clears throat> with different things. So train them what you need them to do and what you need them to know. The same when they're cleaning your house. You know, don't get upset with them because they lose things and don't put things back. Let them know. You know, when you clean my house, be sure that you put things back in as close to where you got it because otherwise I can't find it. And they may say, well, you know, you can just call me. No, just be sure that, that you put those back. And if you need to ask where you got it from, you know, feel free. Um, because it's really frustrating when, you know, you move things and I don't know where it is. Um, but don't expect they're going to know that um, because they may not even think about that. So, again, train your volunteers and do it gently without criticism. We can't talk about um, appreciation enough. Many times, volunteers 
volunteer and do endless, endless hours of work, and they don't really feel like it's appreciated. And sometimes it hasn't been. Or sometimes you might say to other people, oh, I, I really appreciate, you know, that person reading the newsletter. We really like the way she reads the newsletter. But be sure you're letting her know that you really like the way she reads the newsletter and that you really appreciate that. Um, you can do that verbally. You can do it with handwritten notes. You can do it with just small little gifts. Um, not every day, but occasionally. Um, and, and just be sure that you're saying thank you. You're really appreciated by me. I really appreciate what you do. You know, things like that. Um, don't overlook their motives. Know what their motive, motivation is. Because that can, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, that can go along well with their emotions. Um, and you can deal with that motivation if you know what it is. Um, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, sometimes people volunteer because they think that good works get them to heaven. Well, that's okay. And it's not a bad reason to volunteer, even if that's not what you believe. Um, so just, just know what motivates that person, and that way you can keep them involved. Make sure your volunteers are what what you're asking them to do are within legal limits. But if you have any concerns or questions about that, you know, talk to your organization attorney uh, because you don't want, for example, uh, if you have young children or young teenagers volunteering, you don't want to get them in a situation that may not be legal. Um, recently, I talked to a, a person, and she was having a 16-year-old go shopping, and the little girl was doing a great job, except for she wanted to buy alcohol. And she, and she thought that, you know, she could just send her with a grocery list and, and the little girl alcohol would get her in trouble with that. Even if they're letting her, the store happened to be you know, really nice, and they understood the situation and all that, and, and they were giving it to her. But I said, you know what? You could get her in a lot of trouble and don't even put her in that position. So be sure that what you have in your volunteers to do is actually legal. Um, don't show favoritism. One says that really can hurt an organization or a committee, and we hear this all the time, is when people show favoritism. Oh, this is my best friend. You're my best friend. And they'll talk about their best friend and doing all these things with their best friend and how they can rely on their best this person because she's their best friend. Don't show favoritism. All your volunteers, when they're volunteering for you, they're all your best friends or they're all equal. You know, if you start showing favoritism, then you'll start to lose other people. Because everybody wants to be appreciated and, and feel important. And if they have to hear constantly about this one person who is your best friend and, and you know how great she is, but they don't ever hear or don't usually hear um, about other people, it's going to tear your organization and, or your committee apart. And that happens a lot of times. It causes a lot of tension and frustration. So I would recommend not even, if you can avoid it, not even putting your best friend on the same committee that you are on. Put your best friend on other committees. And that way you don't have to work directly with your best friend or your, your close friend. Um, but if you do, if they are on the same committee, then you're going to have to be very careful about, once again, setting boundaries. And your friendship is over here. It's outside of the volunteer duties and the organization and, and you know, the volunteer organizational duties are over here with all of your volunteers. Because all of your volunteers have to be treated equally and special. Um, and lastly, reward, reward, reward. Again, you cannot over appreciate 
or overthink your volunteers because they need to feel like what they are doing is, is special or appreciated. Otherwise, they're not going to continue to do it. Um, sometimes people have difficulties with, you know, they'll, they have five or six calls to make and volunteers want to get on the phone and talk about this and that. And it goes on and on. And by the time you know it, you've got, you know, four or five hours of what really should have been less than an hour job. So, again, set your boundaries. You can say, I'm calling because of the committee that we're working on. I'm calling with committee work uh, just to provide some information or to ask a question. That way, I know as a volunteer that you don't want to talk to me for two or three hours. And I also know as a volunteer that, you know, all we're talking about here is a question. And we can both move on and you can make your other calls and I can do whatever I'm doing. If you don't do that, what you're going to do is find that, you know, your time is taken up by a whole bunch of chit-chat. The volunteers may get to the point that they don't answer the phone either because then they actually think that you're the one who's doing all the chit-chat when maybe they are. So if you set that boundary from the get-go, and then if they say, well, I really would like to talk to you longer about such and such or such and such. If you're open to that, you may or may not be, but if you're open to that, you can say, you know what, we can do that with Saturday at 3 o'clock we did to just have a conversation. Or, well, I have some time tomorrow between 8 and 10 that we could do that. Yeah. Um, if you're not open to that, you can easily say, you know, I really would prefer not to get into really deep personal issues. Uh, and you might, might want to talk to you know, your family or friends or whatever. It's perfectly okay to set your boundaries. Setting boundaries is a good thing. Some people may become upset. They may feel rejected. They may feel a lot of this. But most of the time, Setting your boundaries is going to be a good and a, and a positive thing because that way everybody knows where the other person is. And you don't have all these figures. Well, I really thought she was my friend. And, you know, she called three or four times and she was always willing to talk to me. And she knows that I'm really lonely and I don't have anything to do. And, and now all of a sudden she's not talking to me. So I wonder who said what. It just goes on and on. So set your boundaries. Be clear. And, you know, you can always come up with another time to maybe have lunch or tea or a conversation or whatever it is. If that's what you want to do. And if it's not, then just, you know, let them know. But make sure, once again, that if you're not making time to have tea and talk to other people on the committee, don't make, don't not do it for another person because they're going to they're going to hear. And one thing that happens is, oh, I had, I had dinner with the ACD president, or I had dinner with, you know, the committee leader or the chair. This is really good. She's such an inspirational person. Blah blah blah. And this other person is sitting here thinking, wow, what about me? So you know, you, you want to try not to do that. But sometimes it's not as easy, but. You certainly want to try not to do it. Um, another thing might be that you can have a Zoom call with all of your committee and just say, you know, if you're available on Saturday morning, let's just have a Zoom call in or coffee where we can just talk and relax. That way you can talk to everybody. And if they choose not to join, they choose not to join. Then it's on them. So working with volunteers can be very rewarding. can also be very frustrating. But if you remember nothing else from this conversation, remember communication, boundaries, and skills. So I'm going to open up to questions. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to ask. We have uh, Ann, Ann Brash has her hand raised, Dr. Rail. Okay. Ann, you can unmute. Well... I guess she's not. She's muted again. So, uh, 
the next hand we have is Beth. Oh. Hello, and Dr. Rail. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. Um, I have a question about volunteering. There's lots of places that I would like to volunteer, like, say, at a church or like even where my mother was at the nursing home where she was, you know, just uh, to help out the patients or, you know, talk to them and stuff like that or, you know, walk with them to, to activities and stuff like that. But um, or even do things with them in activities. But sometimes these places are um, afraid, so to speak because you're a blind person volunteering and uh they're like no that's okay we don't yeah we don't um, need it can be difficult when you want to volunteer um so once again be specific about your skills be specific about when you approach a potential place of volunteer be specific about what you can do and for example um when I volunteered for the animal rescue facility, I made it very clear that I'm very good at calming and soothing animals. Um, I'm good at bathing them. I didn't try to do other things that could be uh, a little uncomfortable um, until they got to know me. Like I didn't walk in and say, well, I can take dogs for what? Because a lot of them may have figured me, which I don't know about that. Um, and, and we don't want to get in trouble, you know, for liability. So be very specific about your skills and the things you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was part of the problem, the liability thing, because they knew yeah. how I acted with my mom and um, her friends, you know, but they they were very leery about uh, visually impaired people volunteering, and I think it was because of that and i'm like well i have all my blindness skills up to power you know i can do that well yeah and and so you have to be very understanding about where they're coming from because they do have you know liability issues and and legal issues and so if they're not real sure so that's why you might want to start with something little that you know really i mean how could you get hurt or how could you you know like go in and read stories to people or go in and play bingo with, you know, people. Things like that until they get comfortable with you. Um, right, right. That's what I meant. Like walking with them to activities or, you know, reading to them, or, you know. But like even walking with them, they're like, well, you know. Uh, yeah, and so and I think it was because... Because they can so see, you know, how a person could do it. They, exactly. They're thinking, we need to walk with you. How are you going to walk with somebody else? So, you know, just start little. Um, when I first rest, er, worked with the animal rescue, I didn't do anything. Stuff go in and, and hold the dogs or, you know, just pet them. And um, for a while, I thought, ooh. But... Then one time, the lady who was supposed to give them baths didn't show up, and they were complaining about it. I was walking in the bath, and they looked around like, I don't know. You know, what if you get bit or whatever? And I thought, well, I'm probably not going to, but, you know, just give it a try, and if you don't like it, then we won't do it again. Well, you know, that became my job. So, you know, be willing to be flexible, yeah. start small, um, and... Hopefully you can you can get in. The other thing is, if you volunteered elsewhere during the same thing or something similar, just let them know. You know, I used to volunteer for such and such, and this is what I did. Yeah, I have let them know that, uh, but I think that I think they are, like you said, very scared of liability issues or and they have every reason like that. To be. They have every reason to be. Because you would be surprised. Well, obviously, how I understand that. But if I'm going to if I'm going to volunteer with them, I, if something happens, I surely wouldn't sue them. Right. But but they don't know, and um, you know, we have to be very cautious. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you know, organizations take the the stance of better safe than sorry. 
um, do the other thing that you yeah. can do is go ahead and work or volunteer for a blind organization. You're probably not going to get into as many pitfalls and that high thing to volunteer for a blind organization. For, you know, then for after a while, you can say to a community organization, well, look, I did this and this and this for this, this blind organization. Okay. Oh. We have, yeah. That's true. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we have one more raised hand. We have, uh, Debbie is next. Oh, now we have some more raised hands. But Debbie right. is thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having this. And um, when I saw the art of um, the art of working with volunteers, I thought, okay, I need to listen in because um, it's always great to get some um, helpful um, uh, um, tips. And, and uh, so I appreciate everything you shared. And one of the things um, that I feel awkward because somehow I'm always pushed to lead uh, groups, even though I don't like to lead, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a doer, but I, I feel awkward asking people, you know, um, is it okay that you help out over here? Do you feel comfortable? If so, this is the task and so on and so forth. I, I feel awkward because I don't want to come across as being pushy. And um, is there something um, that you could share where, um to make me feel a little comfortable or a little tip because I, I am really upbeat when we have events, you know, I, I really motivate individuals. I get them excited, but inside of me, I feel like I'm being pushy asking people to do things, even though they want to do things, you know, is there a little, little tip you can share? Well, um, first of all, it's important to realize that you're not being pushing. Um, many times people do need to be asked. Because they don't feel comfortable just, you know, standing up and saying, well, I'll do this. Because they're afraid you're going to reject them. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you're saying, would you like to do this? Or, you know, we have this available or uh, we have this need that needs to be filled. Would, would this be something that you could do? That's not being pushy. That's generally just inviting them and trying to get them involved. Um, most people need that. You know, I see committee after committee after committee, and it's got the same bag on people on, like, five or six committees. And I'm thinking, how come? Well, it's probably because the leader is comfortable with those people. Um, you know, they say, well, nobody else volunteered. Well, ask other people. Get other people involved. Because... They, they need that. So hopefully that in and of itself will help you feel, oh, I'm not being pushy. I'm just, you know, making people feel more comfortable. Because they can always say yes or no. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you're doing fine, and it's just you have to just remind yourself, you know, this is part of it. Even the nervousness is okay, um, but this is what people need. Does that kind of help? It does, and you know, you you used one word that I'm going to take away that I love, um, um, inviting people um, to a um, to a task or to um, you know whatever the um, uh, um, you know job may be. I, I like that word invite. You use that word invite, so I'm going to start using that whenever, you know, um, individuals come in, you know, um, what can I do? And I'm like, okay, you know, I'd, I'd like to invite you over here. Cause I think that sounds more welcoming. And I think that helps me inside instead of Absolutely. saying, well, can you, yeah. Instead of saying, can you do this? And I think, yeah. uh, you know, thank you. you know, thank you. They hear that they are being invited. All of a sudden they're like, wow, I just came in this door and this person is inviting me. Yes. To whatever, you know, and, and so they feel more important and they feel better versus, well, you know, just, just you know, kind of hang in there and watch what we do for a little while and then you can, you know, 
Well, if they say to you, well, I just, I just came and I would just like to see what goes on here in that type of room. Then you just say, that's awesome, you know, and invite them to just do that. But if they're saying, what can I do? They want to do something and they want you to invite them to do it. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Our next raised hand is Anne. Anne, you can unmute. Yes. Hi. Um, I just had a question. Uh, Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm having a little trouble with my microphone. Um, I am having a a trouble with uh, um, a uh, volunteer that I have. Um, I don't ask her to volunteer very much, but she, you know, likes to to arrive. And so um, every once in a while, when I need transportation somewhere, she'll offer. But when I say, for example, that I want to go to a certain store, she'll say, oh, no, we don't want to go to that store. That's not a very good store. And, uh, you know, with everything I ask her, she'll say, no, we wouldn't want to do that. We're going to go do this instead. And no matter what I say, and I've tried to talk to her about, well, but it's this particular store I, I want to go to, or this particular stop I want to make, she'll she'll always say, well, no, we can't do that. So I'm not sure how to handle it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm speaking to her the right way to try to say, well, look, I'm been blind for you know, 80 million years, I, I know how to, I know what store I want to go to. I might get cut off because the train is on the way, but we'll try it. <laughs> okay. Those people can be very difficult. Sometimes, sometimes they mean well and they're trying to protect you, but they also use a little bit of control. Um, they don't like this store that you want to go to or whatever. And so they think that maybe you shouldn't like it and you should prefer whatever. And what we can maybe do is sit down and actually have a conversation with her about how it's really important for you to get to go to certain places um, that maybe other people don't like or or she doesn't like, or whatever. And, and it's hard for you to do that because of transportation. And what you would really find helpful from her is if she could just take you to the stores or wherever that you need or want to go. Um, and then, you know, if, if you want to go to the store of her choice or whatever, that's cool. Um, but yeah, sometimes those people are very difficult, and you may ultimately decide that it's not worth, you know, the frustration. But if you can maybe have a little conversation with her over lunch, or sometimes when you know you can actually sit down and talk just about how, you know, I don't get to go to just wherever, and so when I have an opportunity to go to games, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, it's, it's really an opportunity, and that is something that you could help with if you wanted to do that. Then she might feel like, oh, wow, now I'm more helpful. You know, and I, I have a purpose to help her to get to, to games, even though I don't really like games. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I We we even had a problem the other day. I wanted to stop at the ladies' room, and she said, no, I don't like the looks of it, so we're not going to stop there. You know, and I wasn't, um, you know, I mean, so I, I like your idea of maybe at lunch or, or somewhere else besides the, you know, the volunteering. Yeah. And then I even could invite her to lunch the next time and just have a, you know, have that conversation. Yeah. Now, like, yeah. um, well, it could be that she was doing you a favor about the ladies' room, but on the other hand, if you needed to go there, you needed to go there. Right. Okay, thank you. Okay, next we have Carla. Carla, you can unmute. Hello, and I'm really enjoying this, and I thank you, thank you, thank you. And by the way, that train is quaint. I love trains, but it sounds funny. Probably here every time. (laughs) Well, I wish I could jump on that train and go somewhere. No, you don't. It's a great train. Oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> well, forget that. Okay, but the question I had is, um, 
I, you know, I live alone, and um, um, you know, you know, and I'm I'm sort of isolated, and I'm not on public transportation, and sometimes I just sometimes I I need somebody, you know, I, I need a volunteer or somebody to just. Um, to, to read things to me or to just to tell me some, you know, what colors certain things are. And I joke about having a sightling trap in my front hall where if a sighted person walks in the room, it springs. And I say, what color is this? Can you read this to me? And it's not too far from the truth. But beyond the sightling trap, which I highly recommend, um, do you have any suggestions for, you know, for maybe finding some volunteers? I just don't like to um, tax the same people all the time. You know, ask friends from church, or I have a neighbor, or a faith in action driver. But, you know, do you have any suggestions along those lines? And if so, the best way to deal with them? You know what I mean? I, I don't know if this is, I know this is slightly different than you were talking about volunteering. Um, for organizations, but the last caller was talking about it, sort of too. So, do you have any advice? Um, Catholic Charities, if you have that in your area, is a really good place to find volunteers, and they're usually, you know, they're usually pretty good. Um, and sometimes they have limits as to what they can do and that type of thing. The problems, I, I'm sure they would be able to come in and read and, you know, help you match clothes or whatever things that you might need to do. And um, that's usually a good place to find volunteers. Um, some of the Methodist women's groups have different volunteer possibilities. Um, you might be able to get through to United Way, um, and they may have some volunteers or know of community organizations in the area that does. Um, sometimes if you call Committee on Aging or, you know, those groups, they will have volunteers who can do different things for people. And so then you can just explain to them, you know, about how many hours you would need this person and how often and um, what you would basically need them to do. But many of those things are things that just people could do. Thank you very much. I yeah, I would give really the trap. And if they tell you that they don't have that, then see if they know of any place that they might say, well, you know, you could call such and such. Yeah, I don't have a Catholic Charities or a Women's Methodist. I live in a small town, um, you know, sort of a smallish town. And I do ask people from church and, as I said, neighbors and things. But I don't want to overdo. So I, what I do find is helpful is never to ask a volunteer to do much, but have sort of a, I don't know what the better word, a, a fleet or a, a reserve of people that I can call and try to rotate so I'm not too much a pest to any one person. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it is helpful, especially if what you want them to do is read or do things around your home. It might be helpful to just get one person or two people because that way they can become familiar with your situation and your setting and get through the task a lot more quickly. If they already know what they read before or if they know that you don't sometimes want to hear the whole thing, just want to hear the, the basics. <laughs> um, Thank you. So sometimes that can be more effective. Plus, you can establish more of a rapport with that person. Okay, well, I really do appreciate, you know, I appreciate all that you do, but I always appreciate your advice. And I take Welcome. It. It's good. Okay, uh, we have Michaela. Uh-huh, this is Michaela. Um, I had a question because um, I'm 36 years old, and I'm looking to volunteer at Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael. And I'm hoping, um, because it's my first time volunteering there, um, basically to get more volunteer experience, since I don't have a lot underneath my belt, that maybe I can eventually work there. Um, because I live here in California, like 40, 45 minute drive by car uh, from the campus. So I was wondering, um, 
if anyone on the call has worked at guide dogs before and if anyone can give me some tips for volunteering um, there yeah well um if, if that's where you want to volunteer um just you know whatever it is your skills are you know just connect with them and see if you know they need somebody who can do your skills um, mm -hmm. I know people who have volunteered at various guide dog schools, but mm -hmm. I don't know that they're on the call. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because I know it's like a year-long commitment, and basically um, I've talked to a lot of the staff who I know because um, I've gotten both my dogs from their school, mm -hmm. and basically they said it's it, they treat it it's very serious because they treat it kind of like a job interview where you mm -hmm. go there and you hear like however many hundreds of volunteer jobs that they have. And then if you want to volunteer after touring and knowing all the jobs that they have open, that they will actually call you if they find one that fits your personality or your interests. That's um, cool. And then I guess you do an interview and then you have to go through like fingerprints um, mm -hmm. and you have to be committed for a year okay. there on campus. So that's what I've heard. <laughs> well, if that's something feel like you can do to, um, mm -hmm. that might be, and you're right. Sometimes certain jobs, it is like going through an interview and they mm -hmm. do background checks. And, yeah. And, all that. You no, know, for obvious reasons, if you're a student there, you don't mm -hmm. want to find yourself working with, you know, somebody with a uh, major criminal background. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. There can also give you wonderful experience for actually going through a job interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because I thought about bathing dogs there, and I heard part of your story about what bathing dogs when I came in, so. Uh, yeah. I would love to work at a guide dog school. I wish I lived closer to one, but <laughs> because I love to yeah. work with dogs. Come on. Mm -hmm. Well, there is one in Boring, Oregon, just to let everyone know. So that's the other campus. Cool. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And good luck. Thanks. Okay, that's all the raised hands right now, Dr. Rail, and you have about two minutes until the top of the hour. Okay, well, um, as, as always, if anybody has any topics that you would like to discuss or learn about or whatever, definitely let me know because I'm always looking for these out alone, Dory. I'm always looking for new topics. And um, so let me know. And most of my presentations are... Um, my blog at eaglewing63.blogspot.com. So feel free to connect with that. I'm on Facebook, and of course, I'm on ACB Conversations. Um, and we will talk next week. <laughs> thank you, Desiree, and thank you, Allison, oh, my pleasure. and everybody else. <laughs>